Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 138 for the 25th of May, 2010. How are you, James? I'm very well, thanks, Ian. And it's good to be sitting back here on that couch. It's fabulous on this couch where we talk about what's happening in the world of broadcast and entertainment technology news. And other things uh, such as content delivery, uh, mobile, there's always some mobile action on today. That's right, um, a bit of gaming, gaming news. And I guess other stuff. Exactly. So uh, we've got bags of news this week, so we'll Lots pile stuff. on in. Lots of stuff. Although the dent in the couch here is looking pretty denty at the moment. Let's go. <laughs> so, in the business, mm. what's up? There's been some announcements from Google this week, and one of those was mm-hmm. about um, a new, well, allegedly new codec, codec, codec called uh, WebM or VP8. Now, Google. why is this? Uh, what's Google doing with a codec? What's the story well, there? Well, I think they they bought on two, didn't they? As far as mm-hmm. I know, um, but they're looking to. I think that one of the issues coming around is the H two six four. If we cast our Mine back had um, had some problems rolling out uh, because there were quite hefty um, fees, licensing fees to use it, mm-hmm. both on clients and even encoders. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I believe there was, and someone, one of our listeners can probably tell me, there was a kind of a moratorium on to, to shake it out and get the thing deployed because everyone agreed it was a very good codec. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were allowed to deploy it sort of royalty free for a period of five years. Now, I guess that's probably coming close to an end now and Google has promised to open source um, uh, what they're saying is an HTML5 video format called WebM right and um, Steve Jobs is into writing late night emails at the moment isn't he he is (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so pretty much we should should ask him a question and see (laughs) if he responds (laughs) yeah Um, he's obviously not getting much sleep but it's kind of saying that VP8 copies way too much from H.264 for anyone to be comfortable with it um, not to matter anything being patent free and we've got to remember that mm. you know, open source doesn't mean patent free correct by any means it just says you know probably you can't use use it so um, yeah, that was, that's, that's that, interesting because H.264 is uh, is the standard that pretty much all the video is being uh, distributed by at the moment that's mm. uh, not I mean <laughs> there's still a fair amount of MPEG-1 and MPEG-2 kicking around but uh, H.264 is really the way forward yeah as an encoding forward. Mm. yeah yeah. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Google TV kind of later on what that mm-hmm. does or doesn't mean so um, skipping along swiftly to mm-hmm. technology um, mm. I don't think the video is linked in the show notes here but I was uh, I, I in my dim and distant past did a mm-hmm. bit of stuff on satellite and basically, one of the, uh, I think it's a Galaxy Intel sat- satellite called Galaxy 15, mm-hmm. um, has started drifting across the, the space, basically, um, and is around on the, you know, the, um, the Arthur C. Clarke belt, which is the geostationary satellites. This satellite is basically doing a sort of zigzag pattern right the mm. way around and is getting close to um, one of uh, SES Astra's uh, World Sky satellites, which is basically supplying programming to a lot of US cable head-ends. Wow. So that's a bit of a serious thing. And this it, could be the end of the world, like well, no cable. <laughs> but you've got to remember that satellites aren't exactly stationary and they're very small targets to hit. Mm. And they're basically kept to what they call station keeping in a little box. Mm-hmm. 
to what the clever people at the um, uh, Galaxy 15 site are going to do, or whatever, um, sorry, the um, the ones that's in the way, this one that's mm-hmm. a problem, they're going to, literally as it's zigzagging, they're going to move it slightly out of the way and then quickly across the other side. <laughs> it just misses it. <laughs> Fantastic, that's and, great. And they've done a video simulation of what's going to happen. So Very cool. Which you think looks a bit scary. I guess it'll burn a bit of fuel up, but it's better yeah. than... Um, a potential collision although the chances of a collision must be pretty small but there's obviously a, it, it could interfere with the reception so yeah i think that's the, probably the main concern they have is that it's going to, going to actually interfere with reception so they're shuffling things around between different satellites to try and keep that give that chance yeah. low but uh it's uh, i mean it's a it's a big it's a big space up there it's very hard for things to actually hit each other but uh, mm. definitely interfere that's that's for sure but it's quite weird and i guess they've got to keep it if they move it too far apart you'd have to realign all the dishes on the ground so it has mm. to it can only no, move within a certain yeah, bounding can box can't, can't move very far i guess yeah. the implications here is that you know you can't kind of pop up to the satellite and give it a bit more fuel so it can keep moving <laughs> well, around the sky it's kind you of you say that but yeah. it has happened oh really wow uh, generally th- generally i think uh you know once you run out of fuel that's it so yeah it, i guess unless you send a space shuttle up but there aren't many of those going up anymore yeah, that's so. true so um, it could uh, decrease the life of the actual satellite because as you know uh you need to keep moving satellites to be to keep them in the right position yeah um otherwise they do they do drift off and and that's generally what happens is that when the satellites uh get too old they basically run out of fuel and end up being in a larger and larger kind of figure eight pattern in the sky so yeah and i mean essentially and that's the that's the limit is the fuel the station keeping mm. fuel so uh that's very cool there we go so I thought that was quite interesting and, and if you can dig out the video listeners I would suggest you do because it's quite interesting to see how they mm. do it and, and it makes you it's one of these kind of practical problems I always admired people who fix satellites remotely where they try mm. and see exactly what's wrong and, and they can apparently tell how much fuel's left by they kind of slosh the tanks around and can listen to them or something <laughs> wow. there's all sorts of bizarre <laughs> why can they can't just put a fuel gauge you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't be a challenge would it well, I think it's why if the fuel gauge breaks what do you do That's yeah, the, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff um, so Very from cool. that, segueing into 3D TVs. Now, we've talked about 3D mm. an awful lot, haven't we? We have. It, I mean, it is meant to be the next big thing. So, uh, But have they actually sold any yet? That's the question. Well, and the thing is, you can now buy them in the high street, certainly in the UK, wow. I'm sure elsewhere. So mm-hmm. um, Oxford Street, that uh, shopping mecca uh, in John Lewis, sold its first 3D TV set to a 28-year-old guy. And he loves to buy the latest gadgets. And I don't think the price was too bad. Um, 14, 1800 pounds? Yeah, for a 40-inch TV with 3D. <laughs> I mean, it's cheaper than two TV TVs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> One for each eye. But, I mean, that was a 40-inch flat-screen Super Duper Tele would have cost double that five years ago, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, that's a... F- Good on you, Matt. Uh, thanks for taking the plunge for the rest of us. I don't quite know what he's going to watch just yet, but... Uh, well, there is uh, Monsters vs. Aliens. is available on 3D in Blu-ray, 1080p. Ooh, there you go. But okay. I think that's anagliptic, unless there is a... Oh. Yeah, okay. you've got a, that excludes the, one, the HDMI 1.4 cable and a compatible Blu-ray player, so... Um, good on it that's, that's great think. well certainly Sky is doing 3D uh, in, in a lot of pubs at the moment so uh, presumably they're going to make that available to consumers sooner or later yeah I, I would guess so but it, again it's a chicken and egg you've got to have the TVs first exactly so see what transpires there well so, we know yeah. at least one person has a TV so that's yeah, a good start and when you upgrade from your CRT maybe it's the way you're going <laughs> maybe, you know maybe I mean? I'll need that <laughs> just keep waiting well, and while um, we're on the subject of 3D <laughs> yep I'm looking for a good reason to upgrade my TV to 3D James have you got one for me well um, 
the first 3D porn movie has come out, apparently. Fabulous. Um, and I'm sure it's not the first 3D porn movie. I'm sure it's not either. Um, but it's, I guess it's the first non-anagliptic, I'm guessing. Yep. Um, quite where you're going to see this, I don't know, but it's called the Karma Sutra. What's well, a bit of an original title, isn't it? Yeah, they um, thought long and hard about that. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, there we I didn't go. Even mean that. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, so, um, yeah, some. Uh, I don't know what's the deal here. Basically, it's going to be available, um, I guess, in cinemas or no? I don't know. No, not really. I'm sure. not quite sure where you're going to see a 3D porn movie. But, <laughs> they, didn't, uh, they didn't really specify in the article exactly how you go about doing it, but, uh, no, but apparently it, uh, it uses 3D cameras and uh, and it isn't doesn't use 2D to 3D post-processing, but I don't know. Why would you bother doing that like this? <laughs> yeah. Surely well, I guess uh, it's something else for Sky to show, isn't it? There we go. Maybe they'll yeah. be showing that. The 3D so, porn channel, it's the way forward. Exactly. And um, they do say that um, the adult entertainment industry does lead technology. Although mm. I did think they chose HD DVD, actually. So maybe that's yeah. not quite true. Maybe it's one of those rules that uh, has exceptions. Well, certainly there we go. Mm. So uh, into our kind of technology slash content delivery kind of mm-hmm. uh, category, James. We've got a new player in the uh, the tablet space now. Uh-huh. So the uh, the Dell has just released the Streak. I think I've seen this before. I think I saw this at CES. Yeah, but I think they did demo it at, at CES, but this is actually available to buy in June. And uh, they previously called it the Mini 5. Now they're calling it the Streak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be an Android device. Uh, I did see a video of this being demonstrated on the BBC, and all the guys seem to be able to do is scroll from one screen of icons to the next. So. And yeah, it looks very classic, doesn't it? Mm, um. yeah, not really sure that that really <laughs> grabbed me, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it's a bit underwhelming. Uh, I was watching some sort of gadget show last night, and everyone was drooling over their sort of year in review. We're all drooling over the iPad. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still waiting. I should get my iPad tomorrow, hopefully. Oh, cool. Um, but I'm still having trouble finding a micro sim in the UK marketplace. Uh, you can have to do the, the hand, hand cutting method. Well, I, I have ordered one, to be honest. But the guy said he didn't. I went to the, one of these mobile shops and he said, oh, they're expecting them. But mm. you know, maybe not until the morning of the 28th, 8am on Friday the 28th is when uh, the fabled iPad goes on sale. You should go and join the fanboys in the queue, Ian. Oh, man, absolutely. In Oxford Street, I presume it's uh, yeah. on in London. There's probably a queue already starting now. Probably there. Probably, probably people are camping out right now. Yeah, and you could uh, get them and say, actually, I don't want one. <laughs> I'm just here to take the seat from some fanboy. <laughs> there you go. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to, to getting hands-on with that and trying it probably without the without the 3G service and see if it's as, if it's as useful, but I suspect not. Mm. So um, we shall see. Um, also, I was intrigued to see that... Uh, company called tuna fish mm-hmm. which unfortunately is a it's on a private beta at the moment but apparently it's from the people that bought uh bought us plaxo and so what did plaxo do plaxo are one of these um contact contact managers okay so, uh, you must have received those emails from people saying you have you're on someone's plaxo database please yeah please check that your details are correct and respond right. it's that's like right, a virus yeah. kind of thing and <laughs> thereafter you will also be in their plaxo database <laughs> Um, so a mm-hmm. bit like kind of LinkedIn, but more on a person-to-person social LinkedIn, I suppose, right. rather than something like that. Um, but apparently, Plaxo has been bought by Comcast, which is kind of interesting mm. as a you know, major uh, MSO or MSO in the US. Mm-hmm. But TunaFish is aiming to provide a kind of 
social TV angle where so you can kind of tweet what you're watching kind of thing, but not tweeting. It'll be tunering. I guess it's, so it's all related. <laughs> tuna fishing. Tuna fishing, yeah. I mean, it's obviously a pun on the word tuna. Uh, um, but it's, yeah, it's supposed to be able to say what you're watching in real time and then build up. You get karma points for if you recommend something to someone and they watch it, then you get extra points. And so That's an cool. Uber recommender. Because, um, you know, if you could somehow work out the other people that were like you and could see what they were watching right now, then that would save you yeah, kind of it, serving 50 million channels well, to I find guess it. it's, a, it's another angle from developing mm. a massive uh, recommendation algorithm. You mm. can just go in and do collaborative filtering and say, well, you like this, other people like this. Yep. Um, but obviously that does rely on a link back to the set-tops, but I'd guess that uh, that's in Comcast's uh, right up their street. Because exactly. they've got a few million knocking around, haven't they? They so, do have a couple. Um, but I'm a bit dubious about cable operators trying to build up a social network because, you know, frankly, mm-hmm. the only reason I get pay TV from a provider is mm-hmm. its price or location. Mm. It's not because I'm good buddies with everyone else on the network. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see Comcast's angle on this. If, if they can create anything that makes you watch more TV or makes you happier about your TV, then that's a good thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously that, that makes sense. Good. Okay. Well, if, if we have someone out there that's actually in the beta trial for that, then uh, send us yeah. some feedback at feedbackonthecouchpodcast.com and let us know what it's like. Yeah. Uh, I've added my name to the beta list when Fabulous. it goes public, but uh, we'll wait and see. Good. Right. Um, so back to, we, we alluded earlier on to the Google TV announcement. Mm. Um, apparently the demos were a complete pile of rubbish. Um, because it relied on Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, and what a surprise, the whole room was completely <laughs> awash with people with Bluetooth phones and trying to do wi- Wi-Fi. Oh, uh, no. And a bit of the old, uh, you know, testing in the eye of the storm hadn't been carried out. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, not much of it worked. Um, so, what, I mean, what uh, did anyone see of Google TV? Was it kind of just badly well, rendering? Well, the way I saw it, it was, you know, it brings a search bar to TV. Right. And integration with the Echo Star Dish Network. So you okay. could search for stuff on the hard drive as well as on the network. That's cool. And it would tell you where to watch it. So it's more of a con- this is a content discovery okay. kind of angle. Um, either built into a TV or an Ant's Android again, mm-hmm. uh, or in a kind of companion device uh, which has HDMI in and HDMI out, right. which enables you to uh, scale the input video and wrap web around it. Um, and provide, I guess, augmented TV applications. Okay. And it's got it's got a Chrome browser in it, support for Flash, um, but no APIs available until next year. Hmm. Uh, and basically, it seems to be Logitech making the the set top and the keyboards and mouse, mouses. Right. Um, I yeah. guess some kind of link between Android phones in it, so you can have like mm. an Apple remote type thing. Okay. Um. I mean, this is an interesting play for Logitech. I've I've seen lots of uh, D-Link and um, mm. uh, what's that other? Well, Logitech have got their squeeze box as well, so they've done streaming That's audio and, and a few other properties they've got there. And Intel supplying the processors, mm-hmm. so it's it's the fairly beefy top end set top box processors. The CE for forty one hundred from them. So it's no, it's not going to be a cheap piece of kit. No, I mean it's running essentially. It's essentially a netbook without a screen, basically, isn't it? Well, it's a slightly more. It's a netbook on steroids, I would say, because mm. it's got, it's got the, four gig of RAM, doesn't it? <laughs> it's got HD video processing in and out. So, uh, yep, it's fairly monstrous. Yeah, so, good point. Um, but I guess you've got to take it seriously because it's got the G word on it. It does have the G word, so. It'll be interesting to see what that happens. So it's US based only to start with, and. Mm. Uh, so, that, I mean, that's good news. There's been other Google news, hasn't there, this week? But 
more of that in our gaming section. Excellent. Well, that's very cool. So, mm. James, I, I don't know if you know this, but you can't actually bring your iPad into the Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and this is um, this is one of these things when you know when does a when does a pad or a netbook become mm-hmm. a PC? <laughs> Apparently, there's some rule in the Yankee Stadium that you're not allowed to bring laptops in. I'm not really sure why. Maybe people steal them. I don't know. Yeah. So um, people have been shoving their iPads down their trousers and in their shirts <laughs> to to sneak them in. Because apparently the whole place is bathed in Wi-Fi. Um, Fantastic. So it's just another one of these things where the rules don't actually apply. It's mm. like, ah, oh, but it doesn't have a hard disk. Oh, you know, mm. all these kind of. <laughs> it's not an iPad. It's just my big iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You hold it to your ear. Some people said, "Can you not just?" whack it to your ear and say I'm on the phone <laughs> English joke there sorry about that listen um, yeah so but people quite wide I guess I can understand why you'd want to take your iPad in there it's just a big iPhone isn't it but uh, yep it's uh, quite uh, interesting there um, now in Japan James it all happens in Japan <laughs> doesn't it now, how do you keep uh, how do you keep customers happy on, on networks in Japan what's the story there well the next thing from Docomo that well-known provider of the um, phone services, NTT Docomo, so it's the Nippon Telephone and Telegraphy, mm-hmm. is the iBodymo. <laughs> I just is, have to have one just because of the name. <laughs> well, it's not a phone. It's just an application on your phone which oh, seems okay. to have right. little avatars telling you that you're, you've, it basically works as, I guess, like a, a body reflex balance. Mm-hmm. So using the accelerometers in the phone works out how far you've walked, um, oh, right. and your calorific intake and you can say what you've been eating um, all these types of things so it's more of a, a kind of a fitness application which the operator can get money from you from. right okay so what it gives you kind of tips along the way like go and do some exercise well uh, stop eating I guess chips so. and I mean, I've seen there are other phones in um, not in Japan but in Korea which uh-huh. take your glucose measurements if you're a diabetic and yeah, all that kind of stuff cool. And they've always, you know, they've always got the kind of um, women's phones for menstrual cycles and all this kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. all uh, useful. I think just if you're carrying something with you the whole time, you just need to yeah. do a kind of, you know, brainstorm on what could you do with it, given all the sensors in it. Yeah. And whether you can get someone to pay for it. Um, mm. So we'll wait and see. Um, obviously, Japan, some of the carriers in Japan I'd heard had got to, mm-hmm. their data revenue was eclipsing their, their voice revenue. <laughs> so this is the type of thing, you know, as a data service. Um, it's probably not because there's less voice. It just means that they don't charge as much for it or it's, it's getting to be free. So it's yeah. only value-added services that work. So uh, there is well, a video for this. If you look in the show notes, folks, you can see a little video of the yeah, iBody. Yeah, look at the video and see what you can do in its theme. Do now. Only games, James, and... Uh, uh, <laughs> the biggest waste of time on Earth? <laughs> Apparently so. So Google was celebrating uh, how many years of Pac-Man? I don't know. A lot of years of Pac-Man. A lot of years. It's got to be, I don't know, 40, 35, 40 years, 35? Who knows? 30 years? Who knows? A lot. Uh, On uh, Friday. So they changed the, the, every now and then they changed the Google logo to reflect some sort of random occurrence in the world or symbolizing something rather. So they changed the Google logo to to a game of Pac-Man, which actually you could play. Which is all fine and good, except for the fact that lots of people did. And well, I, think, uh, I mean, how much bandwidth was wasted by delivering this to everyone? I mean, I know <laughs> Google, certainly yep. in my case, I did notice the Google homepage took forever to load yeah. as well. Because, I mean, they've gone for hours reducing the, you know, the color depth and the size, optimizing CDNs just to deliver that very, very simple front page that mm. we all know about. So mm. suddenly delivering what I guess is a big 
Is it JavaScript? Was it? It must be JavaScript, surely. But but <laughs> looks looks pretty nice. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is Google time for you in action, isn't it? <laughs> so the, there's an organisation that spends its time trying to work out where everyone spends their time, and they worked out that uh, the amount of hours uh, that people, well, on average, people spend an extra 37 seconds on Google. This is rescue time. What a stupid name for an organisation. Apologies to rescue time. Then. <laughs> Well, I guess they're trying to work out where you can get your time back mm. from. Maybe that's it. So a lot of people wait. I mean, like myself, I must have waited a few seconds waiting for Google to to, to load. load then, which is a did you did you play the game? No. Yeah. Okay, so you weren't you weren't one of those people. <laughs> but I must have had four emails from people telling me, "Oh, look, Google's got," <laughs> and, you know, and we've wasted a couple of minutes, haven't we? So well, even talking about it. <laughs> so uh, they reckon all up, it consumed four point eight million hours of time. Um, which is beyond the 36.6, million day man hours of attention that Google search gets in a given day, mm-hmm. which uh, is worth uh, about $300 million. And they apparently they changed it halfway through the day by putting an insert coin button next to the search button. Yeah. So, so you'd have to put that in, then you could play the game. Did that make people feel like they, it was mm-hmm. costing them something somehow? Um, well, it must have cost Google something. And they only had what, f- according to Wolfram Alpha, they were that competing search engine, they only had 504 million, well, only 505 million hits, unique visitors on May the 23rd. Hmm. So that's how they calculated it all up. I see. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, James, uh, alert me. Tell me about that. What's the story there? Oh, alert me. Um, well, you know, I'm a bit of a sort of energy uh, monitoring kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, alert me I was alerted to and another <laughs> one of these things that you can um, you clip basically there's two two parts one you clip onto your uh, home meter your electricity mm-hmm. meter where it comes in and it basically just a, is a current meter yeah. that communicates wirelessly to a central device which typically mm-hmm. would have a, a big LCD display on or flashing lights or something but yeah. alert me basically has a web connected I think ah, it's a GPRS right. module in fact okay. which continually logs your uh, power usage to a website and you pay mm-hmm. per month. So I think the device in the UK is around, I think it's £39 and then mm-hmm. um, one ninety nine a month. And then you can log in and look at exactly what your power usage is. And it's really kind of quite granular. So you can even see, you know, if you turn the kettle on and, and boil oh, a, that's a cool. pint of water or something, you'd see what was going on. Um, and the same company also does, it's, it works on, I think, Zigbee. So it's an in, in-home mm-hmm mesh network type technology and you can add other things to it on a paid basis to add uh, um, actuators sensors alarms and those kinds Ooh, of things that sounds cool um, so you can basically wirelessly um, hook up your home and they're going to add they're going to extend that to the heating system and things like that which I think would be quite you know it's worth paying a little bit more mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. that kind of visibility and control mm-hmm. um, so I think that's one to watch they have recently dropped the price of the product and dropped the price of the subscription I guess because they're trying to find that sweet spot. Mm. And I guess if you were launching a new service, unless you, I mean, you don't really know what's the best price, you're going to get some people at a one subscription level. And if it's totally new, mm. you, don't, you don't really understand that price sensitivity. Um, so obviously, but it's a, it's a numbers game, any subscription service, as we all know. So, exactly. Uh, That's very cool. You can't drop the price to zero, though, because it spoils the numbers. Mm, um, that's small things. 
So what's this other story? I don't know if I found this one or you did. Uh, so IBM is saying, uh, the story is that IBM was actually distributing some uh, memory sticks at a conference recently, a security conference, and it turns mm-hmm. out that the actual memory sticks had a virus on it. Ah, so don't outsource your data copying to some Mickey Mouse company. That's right. Moral of that story. <laughs> hmm. Well, I guess we've only got 30 seconds. We have. Well, <laughs> James, it's been a pleasure talking to you on the couch. And, and uh, you, in. Look forward to chatting with you next week. Yes. Goodbye from me, James. And goodbye from Ian. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>